0: need to take a huge step of faith this evening, is that what God does corporately, He does to every single individual. So sometimes when we read the Word of God, and He says, I bless the children of Israel, a nation, a nation is made up of people. People are made up of individual dreams and problems. So when God says, I've opened up a door, He's talking to you personally. Religion loves to be humble, which is another word for stupidity. You're allowed to say that word, okay? Religion always says you're not worthy to go through that door. Who do you think you are? See, most doors that you are invited to walk through is dependent upon your ability, your influence. So have you ever noticed that you're going into an event, in front of an open door, there's a security guard? Okay, if if there's no security guard, don't go in there. It's not worth it, right? He's only there to protect because something is good, right? So we're used to going to a door, somebody checking our credentials and saying, you can come through. And there are times we get an open door and there's a security guard out there and he's saying, hey, I don't think you qualify. Uh, What school did you go to? What suburb do you live? How much finance have you got? The the reason some of us haven't walked through doors of opportunity is because we felt inferior, we felt we weren't good enough, we felt that we needed to rise up to another level. Without realizing you cannot rise to another level unless you go through the door that takes you to another level. Jesus, you know what, talk about doorways. The first time a doorway was mentioned that brought national breakthrough. Was the the tenth test that came upon Egypt, and it was this: on during this day, an angel of death was going to come, and the firstborn of every child of every mat every family was going to die. Every animal was going to die, and then God breaks this new what we're going to share tonight, and He says this is when. If you put the blood of the innocent on the door and you walk in, when the angel of death, he's not going to be looking at you, he's going to be looking at the blood. See, most of us have been trained to think that God is eyeing us out when God is looking for his own blood. So when you you could be here right now and you are feeling unworthy, stop it. I, I'm not good enough. Stop it. Because I want you to notice this. When there was the door that was open with the blood on it, there wasn't a security guard. And this was what God was trying to portray to the world, is when I see the blood of the innocent, I will treat you as innocent. So when God opens up a door, it is an indication for you to walk through not about your feelings, not about who you think you are, what people think you are. When there is an open door, don't stand in front of an open door. See, if if I invited you for dinner and you go, oh, I I don't know if I'm worth to go to the pastor's house, I'll just think I'll be in the front door and hopefully the pastor will pass through it underneath the door. I will not do that. Why? Because the plates that I give are huge. I can't put them under the door. Now, as a church, God has given us an amazing opportunities as, as we are going to be co-partnering with Shiloh Church and the amazing things are going to be happening. And we've got Pastor Phil coming in two weeks. And then, I mean, you it's going to be lovely. But this is the year of the open door will usher in extraordinary opportunities to pioneer new things. Just to give you one, I had a, Sue and I had a little door open, but it's a big door. We've been praying for our new neighbors. And you know how when you get new neighbors, you're trying to cross paths to talk, right? So we've been praying, and it's been a while. And every time we hear he waves and all of that. So we're walking in, and he's walking. He's, he was walking behind us. So we walked out of my daughter's house, and a couple of minutes we're walking down there, and I'm looking, there's a guy following us. So I start praying, oh, God, help me. right?" And as you walk up, it's my neighbor, and he does this. He goes to me, you are praying for me, aren't you? I go, yes, I am. And I said, how do you know I pray for you? He goes, you're a Christian and the Bible says that you love everyone. And if you love me, you pray for me. So we had this opportunity and he starts and he goes, I oh, was, it? he goes, are you one of those Pentecostals? And I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, I came to this church in South Africa and they prayed for me. I couldn't speak in tongues. I go, that's okay. I will be praying for you. You'll get there right? So all of a sudden there's an opportunity. See, when you step into what God has, God opens up the doors. He's something to put into your spirit. If you force a door open, you will have to keep it open. But if you let God open it, he'll keep it open. So that is why, listen to me carefully, when you are at at the place where you work, don't force yourself to a promotion because you will always have to watch your back. See, when God opens up a promotion, guess what? You don't have to watch your back because you know what? God's got angels going there. No one's going to touch you. Isn't that interesting? Just watch this. When the Bible talks about the armor of God, there's something for the back. Why? Because God watches your back. So, so this is this is just the beginning, and I I want to preach till about eleven o'clock tonight. I find that There's no cricket on. There's no sport on. So hey, a few people have just passed out. Ushers, we need smelling salts. Now, what is this? now, let, so if we're going to pioneer new things, then listen to this. The biblical Hebrew has its own form term for pioneer, with the idea of chalaz. Pioneer is translated as warriors or armed men. So God is saying to you that you're a warrior and you're armed. You. Sometimes we see ourselves as some defenseless, but God says a pioneering spirit is a warrior. What's a warrior? A warrior runs into battle, not wait for the battle to come to him. So God says a pioneer is somebody that is a warrior. Number two, he's armed. What we're going to find out today, what you are armed with. Right. This is in scripture, right? They go before the, see war, are pioneers warriors. Amen. They go before the priest in Joshua 6, 7 at the battle of Jericho and in Deuteronomy 3, 18. They are members of a tribe of Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, who will be the first into the land of Cana when they cross the Jordan to enter the promised land. A group of people who go ahead of everybody else to break ground. Listen to me. The reason you need to break ground. We need men and women that will stand out of the crowd and those go this. See, the moment you break through, guess what? Your family's going to break through. See, the moment you show the kingdom of God. Watch this. When Jesus came, his job description was to manifest the kingdom of God so that by observation of Jesus, you would know what his kingdom is like and who his king is. So what God had it in mind and it hasn't changed to this day, ladies and gentlemen, is this, is that our position is to manifest what God can do, what God can provide. See, you know, one of the things we're not supposed to be cheering for Jesus. We're supposed to be cheering for each other. That's good. Tech, you're amazing. See, we, we, we go, Hey, hey, come on, come on, Jesus, do it. God's done it. So now I am encouraging you, your life group leader is encouraging you, manifest what's inside of you. Watch this. It gets better. First Corinthians 16.9 says this, A massive door of opportunity to establish a powerful and effective ministry in Ephesus has opened for me. Now, I want you to just focus on the word Ephesus. Ephesus is where you work. Ephesus is your family. Ephesus is in the street you live. Ephesus is your neighbor. So what God is saying to us, Ephesus is point cook. Ephesus is the community that you live in. So God is opening to us to establish a powerful and effective ministry. See, one of the first jumps that you've got to do, if you think you're working for a living, you are being robbed every single day that you get up. Jesus never said, get saved. I want to, I've want. got a job for you. Jesus said, I've got a ministry for you. And most of the times we get robbed that we don't see, number one, as fast as ministry. My children is ministry. My grandkids is ministry. Where I work is ministry. When I was working for a company called Nielsen's, I was bringing the kingdom of God into an industry. People were, well, how did you do that? God was working in me to design machinery. Did you know that Jesus is really good at electronics? I mean, I was a that I thought I was good until Jesus says, you don't know how to design that. I go, no, but I can do it. I fixed machines that are said were well, unfixable. And people go, well, how did you know? Well, God told me what to do. And you know what? Jesus said, it's okay. You can take some of the glory. So, so I did. How did I take the glory? I got a paralyze. So if you start to treat your life as a ministry, see, we think, I remember there was a a young misguided man in our church. He's no longer with us, but he came to me and goes, Pastor, 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 I want to work for the church. I go, why? Because I don't swear in your office. I want, I don't want to, I don't want to work in a worldly environment. So you will never work for me because Jesus gave you a job descriptions. Go out into the world. He didn't say get away from the world. A church is not a place to hide. You're going to, I'm gonna say this. The moment you accept that the my ministry is to touch people, to manifest God's kingdom in their lives, whether it's an you know in a canon office, whether it's your mechanic, wherever you are, that's when the power of God is released. My job is not to have power release, just to have power release in church. It is how do you do it when somebody, I, I remember being at work. Come on, most of you know this. There are, as soon as you get a promotion, somebody paints a picture on your back. And then all of a sudden you get this email, da, 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 da. Well, listen, you realize what, what in the world's going on? Now think about it. Now just want you to pause. The reason people have a go at you at work is because they believe that there is only one pie. And if somebody takes a slither of that pizza, there's one piece missing. Come on, haven't you ever noticed when we have pizza here? Somebody takes a piece and magically the other piece doesn't happen. Right? It's never ending. But when you realize that when God promotes you, when you see somebody else getting promotion, you should be thanking God. He didn't steal your promotion. He got his promotion. Your promotion is still there. So therefore, as believers, we never have to worry about, I'm missing out. I'm missing out. You good? Okay. So the first thing we want to do is you need to accept that God has a ministry for you. The reason you are alive is you have a ministry or otherwise. We will baptize you totally different. Have you ever noticed when you get baptized, we pull you out in the water? If you haven't, you've been watching, you've stopped watching YouTube on baptisms, right? The reason you are here, because your assignment is not finished. When Enoch's assignment was finished, God took him. When Moses' assignment was finished, God took him. You'll realize through the Bible that you do not leave before your assignment is finished. So God says this once you accept that because you accept your assignment, you will get a revelation of the open doors for you to fulfill that assignment. When you come to work and you don't call it work anymore, you call it my mission field. You go, God, give me opportunities to change it. If you don't, if you, if you think I'm joking, Looking through the Old Testament, God takes four young men out of the children of Israel, puts them in Babylon. They change their names. They change everything. So they are taken out of the church and being put in an organization that is anti-God. Guess what? What was their job? They didn't go, oh, no, we are slaves. Oh, no. God said this, I am going to cause my glory to be manifested in this kingdom. And guess what they did? They got to such a point of their ministry that King Nebuchadnezzar put an edict out that says, if anybody slanders the God of Shredrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel will be killed. Do you realize that the name of God was being ridiculed? It was put on the bottom, but because these four young men stood up and let their captivity become their ministry. Let's go to another level. Do you realize that Paul preached his best messages while in prison? He was in prison and we get Colossians. He was in prison and we get Philippians. He was in prison and all of that because what happens is his ministry didn't stop because somebody put boundaries around him. That means, listen to me carefully, that means your influence can be so amazing even if you stay at home, but not Saturday night. I thought, I thought I'd better put this tomorrow. Next week, no one's here. Oh, Ted, we, we, we were with you in spirit. Uh, I, I prefer your body and your spirit at the same time. Now, we're getting to the really good point. So when God opens doors, we've got to walk through them. But it is the mindset that we get into opportunities. Now, listen to Galatians 2.20. Now, let's, let's go from I'm um, reading about what happened to somebody else let's read this to what happened to me if you are born again that means that you received Christ this is talking about you this is a present day reality so when a person that doesn't know Jesus you know when you don't understand revelation you you know the word Evil is another word for hard labor, toil, and to be annoyed. I I, I realized I never thought I was evil until I was annoyed at cutting slow cars in front of me. Look to We're going to church. And there's this L player on a scooter in a Saturday zone doing 55. Pastor Silva was really spiritual. She said, Ted, don't do it. Don't do it. I, I was I, for me, I thought I was in India. I am going to use my horn. I remember being with a pastor in India. It was three o'clock in the morning. There was hardly any traffic, and he's still beeping his horn. And I said, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I. Oh, it's a part of driving in India, right?" So, so when you realise that God is saying, when you walk through my door, it's not going to be laborsome. It's not going to be toil. So listen to this. So now let's bring it up because some of our problems that we have is we haven't yet accepted board of the flies. (laughs) Some of the problems we have is we've accepted the definition of being born again without accepting its reality. So what you have, religion says read the Bible. Religion says sing about the Bible but they never go take it seriously. God's not giving you a suggestion. Watch this. My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. Just put a stop there. You know You know what's amazing? I realized that I needed more of this when Paul says, I don't know anybody according to the flesh. Watch this. This is how, this is how the flesh works flesh goes, what are you wearing? Where do you live? How much money do you have? How many followers on Twitter do you have? How's your Facebook account? Who do you work for? Paul said this, I want to know the real person in you, not what you are surrounded with. The reason some of you have been insulted, you have People taking you wrong is people treat you according to the flesh. What do you look like? What's your nationality? Isn't it amazing? People always want to know where you were born. Why? That's That was my first birth, but I got a second birth. And Paul says this, you will never, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. You will never, ever get to know the person next to you unless you see them in your spirit, not through their flesh. You okay? So, you know, we, we, we just go, if I can impress the flesh, come on. You've got rock stars, all that, impressing the flesh, and then they go out and get drunk and do that. Why? Because when your flesh is impressed, it's never enough. It never hits the spot. What you really want is somebody to know who you really are, not from what you're wearing, what you're doing. Come on. I am preaching better than your own, Eddie. Come on. Okay. What's this? Okay. My old identity. How I see myself has been co christized Hey, let me tell you the mystery. You you're good with me? When Adam sinned, you were co with him. So when God created Adam, guess where you were? You were in Adam. Excuse me. You you were not you were not on a what do you call the a, a line that says you know tomorrow you go to earth tomorrow you go to earth twenty. No. You were in Adam. Where was Eve? In Adam. So one of the things, we if you understand how powerful this is, you will walk through every single door. So what happened was this, is when Adam sinned, everything he done, you became as well. Let me ask you a question. How many of you voted to be sinners? Did Jesus ever come to you? Oh, hey, Ted, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, Jesus hey, I've got, a, I've got an offer for you. Yeah, I'm not talking from a call set to read a. Would you like to become a sinner? And these are the consequences of being a sinner. Just sign on the dot online and you can be a sinner today. And you, and plus you get a 30-day discount on membership. If you did that, you were smoking, drinking, something you shouldn't have. Right? So you never asked to be a sinner. But guess what? When Christ died, you were in Christ. And Christ never asked you, do you want to be holy? He never said to you, do you want to be healed? He says, in Adam, you had no choice. In me, you don't have a choice. Why? Because in Adam, you became. Now, let's just put a stop here. This is what most people don't understand. There's a difference between sin and sins. It's bigger than just a little uh, s on the end. Okay, the original sin produces sin. So you can re- say for an instance, how do you remove sins? If you are a murderer and you murder people, right? That's that's sins, right? How do we stop you? We lock you up. You stop being a murderer, but you're still sin. See what we've done. Religion works on the consequences, but never the root cause. That's why do-it-yourself redemption doesn't work. See, every willpower gets exhausted. So most of you are struggling with the produce of the original sin Without going to God, it says, if I can get rid of the original sin, it will stop the sins. And when Jesus died, he got rid of the original sin in you. And God didn't ask you. He says, in Adam, the moment one man sinned, you became a sinner. In Christ, the moment Christ died and redeemed, you became redeemed. The problem is you don't know it. The problem is religion is hiding it. The problem is you think you've got to earn it. Now, I didn't earn to be a sinner, why would I think I have to be earned to be righteous? Thank you. See, do-it-yourself religion thrives on willpower. The problem with willpower, every one of you have willpower, but in different areas. Right? I... I, I, I mentioned this before because it works really well. I have willpower to say no to every single dessert. I, I, I'm serious. I am the pinnacle of willpower for dessert. I never dream about dessert. But give me barbecue. Eh? Give me beef spare ribs. Give me crispy roast chicken. Oh, oh, oh. Mm. I'll go, ooh. I'll let you cry about it. And here's a problem. This is why God said not to judge, because you're judging somebody else's lack of willpower. We judge others according to our strengths. That's why the Bible says don't judge. It's because I might, you know, you might have the willpower in a certain area and in another area I don't. Now just watch this. This this will help some of you. The Bible says before Christ we were under sin, correct? Do you know what the word under means? It comes from a military term in a slave market. So, what would happen is that there was a spear that was upright like this, and they would take a slave and put him under the spear. Now, watch this. Then the people went and picked out what you were going to do. So, if you are an attractive woman, and if there was a pimp, he would go, I'd pick you. See, sometimes you're wondering, why am I struggling with that? It's because sin picked you to do something you don't want to do. You, you good? And, and look, if you, wanted a, if you wanted a bodyguard, you pick a strong guy and you pick him out. He might be a brilliant cook, but now he's a bodyguard. See, the things that we are struggling is what sin has targeted in our lives. So the only way you can get rid of that is by the power of the cross, not by willpower. Okay. Okay, keep going. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. Whoa. Here's our problem. If you do not believe that God has his best interest for you, you will fight this. My problem when I was a young Christian is I didn't want to say, I didn't want to give my whole heart to Jesus is because I had dreams. I remember, uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted this. I wanted to drive this. I wanted to do this. I had all this. And I always thought that if I throw my heart over the line for Jesus, I will get, I will get to do everything I don't like. Oh God, I don't, I don't want to be a missionary to Papua New Guinea. God would not, if that's your attitude, God wouldn't send you to Papua New Guinea. Why would He? Why would He punish people with you? You know, I, I thought, oh, God, if I give my whole life to you, I don't get to choose who I marry. You know what? Sin has done such a cultural job in our thinking that we think that God's going to make us do stuff we don't want to do. Do you? Let me do this. Jesus loves you more than you love yourself. You know, you go, oh, I've got these needs, and if I give my love to Jesus, I'm going to get out of it. Get, get, get. Repeat, this, repeat this after me. Jesus loves me. Now, now say it like you, you're, you're trying to make me think that you mean it. Okay. Jesus loves me more than I love myself. So therefore it means you don't want to hurt yourself, and God says, "If you think that you don't want to hurt yourself, how, why would you think that I want to hurt you? Why would you think that I don't want to give you the best? Okay, keep going. let's keep going. For the anointed One lives his life through me, and we live in an union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that he gave himself up for me despise, dispensing his life into me. I want you to blow this out. Let you explode in your thinking that the exact life that we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in the Acts and the Epistle is the same life that's in you, not a different life. Now, let me just read something to you. Um, this morning in my post that I do every day, except for Sundays because I have a Sunday off, I like to sleep in. Okay. When you read this, this is what I wrote, and I thought it might be good to bring it out here this, morning, this afternoon, not tonight, this year, 2024. The natural man can hardly grasp, grasp this revelation. This is the present believer's reality. We are co-crucified to bring absolute closure to every reference we had of ourselves and the unbelief because of Adam's fall. Do you realize the moment Jesus died, he separated your identity under the fallen Adam and he also separated you from every sin you have ever committed? Now, now watch this. The power of the cross is so amazing that he forgives future sins. See, Christians, uh, people that have not had revelation, they go, no, 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 Pastor Fabianic, you're wrong. Jesus forgives you to the point that you've asked for forgiveness. And then if you sin again, you've got to go back and do it again. How many? You with me? Some of you know. I can see some not. But isn't it amazing that Jesus forgave me my sin before I was born? Hey, I was born in 1960. Have you got people from that era? I love you. We only get better. We only get better. I haven't committed anything. And Jesus is on the cross. He's looking. To 1960, I don't know when I started sinning, but I think I was sinning the moment I got out because I cried. I kept my mum awake, my dad awake. I did everything. So back, okay, 1960 in a couple of days. Um, but God says, I am in there. Do you know what that means? That you are now secure. You don't have to go to sleep, no, <gasps> I used to be afraid if Jesus comes and if I did something wrong, I'd get left behind. This is how powerful this is, is that God himself. And then he does this, right? My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God. So you've got earthly faith. This is what earthly faith is. You know what? I don't really believe that that chair can hold my weight. So I will use my flesh to prove my faith. So I will take my flesh. I will sit down. Yes, it holds me. Next time I look at the chair that says, I have faith to sit on you. So in other words, it's faith that comes from feelings and experience. God's faith says, I can do something out of nothing. Let me show you how powerful it is. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that the Holy Ghost hovered over the mess that was on earth. Isn't that interesting? I want to just share this with you, that your mess does not turn God away. See, most people do is we try to hide our mess, and God says, the Lord is if you hide it, I can't touch it. But the moment you expose it, I can touch it. So you get this. The Holy Spirit hovers over the mess. He hovers over your sickness. He hovers over your depression. He hovers over your lack. And what's and he goes, What's he hovering for? He's hovering because wherever the Holy Spirit hovers, the word comes speaking. So if you think that you are so bad that God is displeased with you, the only problem is the Holy Spirit is not going to give up on you. David said, "If I go to heaven, yeah, I knew you'd be there. If I go to hell, I wake up in hell, and guess what? You're there." And it's like David is saying, "How can I run away from you?" you know, I can. See, I can hear Jesus chuckling, going, <laughs> "You can't." And everywhere at the same time. So now you step into the reality when God opens the door, you're not going in there by your ability. You're not going in there by your mind. Watch this. Now that your life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, you can dream again. Now, watch this. I did some study for you. Everybody say thank you. The word in Hebrew for dream is the same word for someone to be restored to bring healing to the body, soul, and spirit. So what you have, isn't that amazing when, we were, when we're young, you we dream, and then education comes in that wasn't birthed in heaven, comes down to you and says, get a reality check. And the moment you got your reality check, you put your dreams to one side and you took your natural ability, and your natural abilities are limited. Your dreams are not. You'll be surprised how many times in Scripture God speaks to us in dreams. What is a dream? See, the moment I dream about having my life back, healing comes. What do we dream about? See, when you see, you to it. If this was the cross, say if this pulpit was the cross over here, I am dreaming. But it's about how much ability I have. I I wish I could win Tesla, dreaming all of that. But the moment I come through the cross, then I am co-crucified with Christ. You know what's really what you know what's really, really good about crucifixion? There's always a resurrection. So when I go here with my broken dreams, I go here with my disappointments. I go here with every label that people have put on me. I am now co-crucified with Christ. I'm suffering. You've all suffered. But then there comes a point on the cross when God utters his words. It is finished. And then comes the resurrection. And now when I dream, I dream about the blueprint that God has designed for me before the foundation of the world. Let me give you one definition of sin. Sin is living a life that God did not create for you in heaven. That's how powerful our message is. Do you realize before you were born, God created an amazing life? God created a super life. God created a life that is so full of joy and opportunities. And sin came in, robbed you, stole from you. Can, can, are you. Are you good? Now, I want you to put this into your thinking. God did not buy us again because you, a thief never becomes an owner. So when Jesus died, he went to the devil. He goes, you don't own this. You, you don't own Ted Fabiani. You don't own Norman. I'm, not, I'm I'm not giving you something in exchange. I am rescuing him. I am bringing him back. And what is he bringing you back? He's bringing you back to the original. God didn't design you sick. God didn't design you broke. God didn't design depression. Why? If God designed it, you're not going to get rid of it. So you could dream again. I just want to speak this word into your life. God has given you dreams. dream. Have you had a dream? of an explosion of God in your life. Yeah. And you had a dream of owning an orphanage. And you had a dream of starting a business that you can advance the kingdom of God. And you had a dream that your whole family is sitting around the table and they're praying and they're going, isn't it good to be in a family? And you had a dream that your life is, is not so terrorized by demonic spirits that you can't stay awake. Then you stay awake at night. See, what happens is this, is that when God comes in and he says, I'm going to fulfill what I planned for you. You know what? Because you've got that empowered by the faith of the Son of God, you can step out again. Why did Peter step out of the boat? He didn't step out and says, God, help me. He first said, God, if it's you, call me. You know why? Because God designed Peter to walk on water. And when Peter saw Jesus walking on water, because I'm supposed to do that. Have you ever driven past a house and you got this sense, I think I should own that? Come on. Have you ever looked at a position in a company and you think I should have that company? Do you know what that is? That is what's designed inside of you responding. Okay, you're all looking at me again. If I can be, again, because I'm your pastor, is we've watered down the gospel so much that when we see, when we speak, it, we think we're exaggerating. The problem is that the gospel has been so watered down, when you tell someone the truth, you've got to be, you're one of those hyper-faith guys. I'm not a hyper-faith, I'm a normal faith. Okay, so that you can step out again. You can step out into that ministry. You can step out into the job. You can step out and put your name forward for promotion. You can step out and design something. You can step out and be known, right? You can speak again. What does it mean to speak again? It means that you, what you speak is what you walk on. You are right now today speaking on the words that you have spoken. Life follows words, not words follow life. Before there was anything, what did Jesus do? He spoke. When we realize that now that we are born again, we have the power of speech. Let me just ask you a quick question. What is the language of God? Hebrew, could be, Jesus. Jesus is the language of God. Watch this. Jesus said this, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what the Father does. So guess what? Our new language is the language of Jesus. If Jesus wouldn't say it, why are you entertaining it? Has Jesus ever said to you, I want you sick? Can you find it in scripture? Did Jesus say, Hey, you know what? I, I, I'd love to have you broke. I love when you're poor. I just love when, Lord." see, we start to speak it and we can create again. That means, what's this. Okay. You, you, uh, Jesus is a God the Father created, correct? You are born of him. So therefore, within every single one of you is the power to create. To create means is to be a pioneer of something that no one's seen before. Okay, yeah. Knowing that the faith of the Son of God is working in and through you. You're no longer dependent upon your own strength. You're no longer dependent upon your own strength willpower. Now we're going to finish this. Can I, can I have the worship team to come up? I love it. Acts 10 34 in the message translation says this. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. You know, this see here, we're coming in front of an open door. So tonight, we don't knock. We come to an open door with an open invitation. So right now, if you don't know Jesus, there's an open door called salvation. Right now, if you're sick, there's an open door called healing. Right now, if you're fearful of life, if you, you know what the spirit of fear does? The spirit of fear says this, When it's morning, I wish it was night. When it's night, I wish it was morning. In other words, you don't want to face reality. I want to just elevate something here. We talked about dreams. Do you realize that fear puts a dream inside of you and then attracts what you dream? Fear says, I'm going to step out, but I'm going to fall. Fear says... I don't know if God's going to come through for me. And he paints. But right now, you know what? For us as a church, we have an open door. And we're going through it. But you personally have so many open doors. Tonight, you don't have to leave this place standing outside the door. If you, whatever needs you have, God says, I've, I've opened the door. But God, I, 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 I'm not worthy. It's not about you. I want you to notice something. Every excuse that you have why God would not do it for you was nailed at the cross and God separated you from every excuse you think. Right now, you're standing alone without excuses why God isn't going to come through for you. So tonight, tonight, I believe in all my heart that God's just calling out, is tugging on you. You know when God's tugging on you. is your heart's pounding and you're thinking, wow, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's too good to be true. Look, look at me for a second. If Ted Fabianni, the old Ted Fabianic before the cross was telling you this. I, I, I wouldn't believe it. But this is no longer the Ted Fabianic on this side. This is the Ted Fabianic that Jesus is speaking through. And right now God is using me to speak to you. And he loves you more than you love yourself. He has planned for you. He has a plan for our church. He has a plan for every single part of your life. So we're going to just pray right now. And we're just going, to, just going to let the Holy Ghost work. Because there's no striving, there's no effort. So Father, we come to you right now. Father, we come to you today as serious, as serious as we can be. Father, in Adam, I became all that sin was and is. But Father, because now you are giving me an invitation that I can go into Christ and become everything that Christ is. Father, I pray that Jesus, you are the door. You said you are the door to the shed. And if we go through you, we have everything. So Father, today we just ask what I ask right now, God, for everyone that's struggling.